大家好，今天我很高兴能够讲到。我是基督教会的主牧师 ，Jake 牧师。今天我们要一起学习《格罗西书》。No Mandarin speakers in here? Let me try it this way. How's everybody doing? Glad you guys are here. I'm excited to preach to you today. Today we're going to study together the book of Colossians. Is that better? Yeah. Of course it is. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody was talking to you, but you had no idea what they were saying? Like it was like a different language. Like they were speaking Chinese or Greek or something like that. And maybe you're thinking, I know they're speaking English. I know that's my native tongue and everything, but I got no idea what they're saying. I have no idea what they're saying. It's such a waste of time when that happens, isn't it? It's such a waste of time. Husbands, have you ever been staring at your wife for like ten minutes, seeing that her mouth is moving, but you have no idea what she just said, and you answer in that really great, intelligent husband way, huh? Wives love that. They love that. My uh, my wife Erin and I have this kind of thing going on right now. Uh, this regular thing we talk about right now that she messes with me about, uh, where she says that I mumble. <laughs> I mean, I'm a pastor and a preacher. Like obviously I don't mumble, right? I mean, come on. But we'll be driving. I'll, I'll usually be driving. She's sitting in the passenger seat, and I'll I'll be talking about something, saying something to her, and then I'll look at her, and I can tell she's like trying to figure out what I trying to decipher what I just said, right? And she likes to play it like it's a game, you know. So she just repeats what she think I, thinks I said, and it's never what I said. It's always like it rhymes with what I said or whatever, and it's just ridiculous. And I'm always like, "What's wrong with you?" Just listen. She's like, "It's you. You're mumbling." Communication is hard, right? Even, even when we're not mumbling and everyone's speaking the same language, like sometimes my nine-year-old daughter will talk and talk and talk and talk, and I'm like, "What is she talking about?" I try again, baby. And this time, do it in English. All right. This time, let's try English instead of whatever it is you were just. Speaking in, and I、uh, had a friend in Texas who had come from Minnesota, and he told a story about the first time, one of the first times he was at a grocery store, and he was checking out in line at a grocery store, and and the lady was done、um, scanning all of his items, and and so she looked at him and she said, "You want a, you want a sack with that? You want a sack with that?" And my friend was like, "What?" You want a sack with that?、And、they went back and forth. What? You want a sack with that? <laughs> then finally, my friend goes, "Oh, a bag, right?" Because he was from Minnesota. You know, they say that funny. A bag. He didn't know what a sack was. My、uh, my in-laws moved up from Texas、um, for me. And or it was the grandkids. I can't remember which one it was. But my mother-in-law was at some store here, and、uh, she said, "Do you 
do you have any dappers? <laughs> no. Do you have any dappers? And uh, he's, uh, the guy was like, what? Dappers. Do you have any dappers? And he's like, dappers? <laughs> what is a dapper? And she's like, no, you know, stuff that, the things that babies wear. And the guy's like, diapers. <laughs> okay. Where are you from? <laughs> right? No, we don't have dappers, but we have diapers. Communication isn't easy, right? I fail at it all the time. As a preacher, I'm always thinking that, I always put the weight of the responsibility of the message being delivered and received, whatever and whenever it is, I always put that on the one speaking, not the one listening, although I know there's a lot of that on the one listening as well. But if it's me speaking, whether it's in this context or on the phone or over coffee or, or whatever, I always think it's my fault if you don't know what I'm saying, if you don't get what I'm saying, if you don't understand it. That's why I try to preach and teach and talk in a way that's relatable, right? I try to talk in a way like I would talk to you if we were hanging out. Um, I try not to make it some different kind of speech on, on, on Sunday mornings. I try to take my cue as much as I can from Jesus who told stories and parables and illustrations to help us all get on the same page and understand that this is kind of a common thing that we're going through together. I try not to use unnecessary like six-syllable seminary words. And when I do have to use those, I feel like I have to. I try to spend some time explaining what those are. Because we've all had those situations where somebody is talking and they're just using those big words. Whether they're talking or we're reading a book, but it's like every sentence you got to think about it and rethink about it and try to understand what this six-syllable word really means. And communication is hard enough as it is, right, without that stuff. What a waste of time that is. And being a communicator, when I'm in those situations where someone is talking that way to me, I never think they're smart. I always think the opposite. Because it's really easy to hide behind big words, but it's very difficult to communicate in a way that people actually understand what you're saying. Charles Spurgeon once said something about this that I thought was pretty funny. He said, Christ said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, Some preachers, however, put the food so high that neither sheep nor lambs can reach it. They seem to have read the text, feed my giraffes. It's so true. It's a waste of time if nobody can understand it. And it's not just when we talk to people or we talk to outsiders or non-believers about Jesus, but it's It's when we talk to God, too. A lot of us, we change our speech, our way of talking when we go to pray to God. Some of us think that when we pray to God, we got to get our best King James Version English on, right? Like we got to get that super holy voice if God's going to hear us. I had a guy tell me one time, if the King James Bible was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I didn't have the heart to tell him that it was written 1,600 years after Jesus was on earth. But we get this King James Version prayer going on all the time. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, haveth your way in me, Eth. Right? We do this. King James thing, and it's, it's weird. We think we have to change the way we talk when we pray. Our text today 
in Colossians chapter 4 is going to give us some practical direction about communication, communicating to God and communicating to others who don't know Jesus. And before we read it, let me just set it up this way. He, he's going to say here, the Apostle Paul is, make the best use of your time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste time. When it comes to communication, talking to God and talking to others about God, don't waste time. He's going to say, use wisdom, be clear. So, so my sermon today is really two mini sermons. One is on talking to God, prayer, and one is on talking to those who don't know God, okay? And I'm going to give you three things within each of those mini sermons for you to take notes on. And remember and think about. Look at it with me, starting in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4. If you'll notice in your Bible, we're running out of Colossians, right? We're almost done. Uh, This is week 10, part 10 of this series. Next week is the last week, part 11. If you've missed any of those, you can grab them online so you understand what we're talking about here in Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I'm going to read through verse 6. We'll come back and talk verse by verse. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So he gives us three quick keys to prayer here, but let me just define prayer real quick. Prayer is very simply communication with God. What is prayer? It's communication with God. It's talking to God and it's listening to God. That's that's it. There are many kinds of prayer that the scriptures painstakingly unpack for us. But each kind of prayer, each type of prayer is just another reason or another way to communicate with a God who created you and loves you. Prayer is communicating with God. In the car, before dinner, in your bedroom, all alone, with people, out loud, in your head, praying for two minutes, praying for 30 minutes, praying for six hours, reciting prayers from scripture, making up prayers on your own, praying for help for yourself, praying for others, praising God for how awesome he is or what he's done in your life, asking him questions, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal what the the scriptures are saying to you to help you understand what they're saying, whispering, talking, screaming, weeping before the Lord. Prayer is what? Communication with God. So with that in mind, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us three things that we want to think about, that he wants us to think about when it comes to prayer. The first one is to continue steadfastly in prayer. In other words, talk to God always, constantly, consistently at all times. First Thessalonians 5 says that we should pray without ceasing. At all times we should be praying. If you have this idea of prayer that you have to get on your knees and you have to fold your hands just right and you have to get that King James Version English going on, you're going to have a hard time pulling this off, right? 
How are you going to pray without ceasing? How are you going to pray steadfastly, constantly, consistently, all the time? If that's your only understanding of prayer, it's not going to work. But think about it this way. In your marriage, you communicate with your spouse in a bunch of different ways, at different times, in different uh, arenas and environments, right? You talk to your spouse in different venues. You talk to your spouse on the way somewhere. You talk to them when your kids are around. You talk to them without your kids around. You talk to them at a date. You talk to them in a crowd of people. You text them. You, you call them. You FaceTime them. You talk to them in the morning and at night, right? You talk to them at all times. It's like that with our communication with God. It should be constant, a constant flow of communication between you and God. So you, you pray in your car, you pray next to your bed, kneeling down, you pray while you do the dishes. When you pass your coworker Frank, everybody has a coworker named Frank. When you pass your coworker Frank in the hall, you pray for him. Listen, don't be weird about it. Like, don't pass Frank and go, Lord, help Frank. <laughs> don't pray out loud. Maybe you pray in your head, right? Don't, don't pray out loud. Lord, help Frank learn how to fill out reports correctly. <laughs> Lord, please help Frank with that rash. Please help him with the rash, Lord. <laughs> That's weird. Don't be weird. Just pray in your head for Frank while you're walking by. Just pray, pray in your head. Frank's not going to like that if you say it out loud. So talk to God always, just like you do a friend or a spouse, a constant flow of communication between you and God, both talking and listening. And then it says in this scripture to be watchful. In other words, talk to God with your eyes open. And that's not what mama said, right? Mama said, close your eyes when we say grace. Close your eyes when you pray. Hey, why didn't you close your eyes during prayer? Well, how did you know I had my eyes open, mama? Right? Maybe my kids are the only ones who say things like that. Now, we, we close our eyes in prayer because it's a way to show reverence to God. It's a way to block out distractions. So I'm not talking about literally having to keep your eyes open during prayer. But the next time somebody says, kids, you can say this to your parents because your parents will love me for it. Next time somebody says, hey, you got to close your eyes in prayer, you just say, well, Colossians 4 says to be watchful when I pray. So how can I do that, right? How can I watch and pray and keep my eyes closed? It's hard. But we're not talking about literally. What we're saying here is that when you pray, your goal is not to like disengage your mind and empty yourself out. Some people tell you that when you pray, you should just think of nothing, just a black or a blank um, sheet in your head, just done, nothing in your head. Think of nothing and, be, and disengage your mind. And that's, a, that's a, an idea that comes from Far Eastern meditation. Far Eastern theology, or, or ideology, it's not in the Bible at all. When the Bible talks about meditation, it talks about meditating on something. Meditating on God's character, meditating on the scriptures, meditating on what God is speaking to you. Are you tracking with me? Meditating on something rather than disengaging your mind. Emptying yourself out is a waste of time if you don't then ask God to fill you back up, Right? It's a waste of time. Jesus said that's not a great idea in Matthew 12, 43 through 45. You can check out that passage later this week. 
We want to empty out the bad, put to death the sinful attitudes and actions like we talked about last week. Absolutely. But we want God to fill us up. We want to fill our minds up with the things of God, the things that are above, like Colossians was talking about. Which means we're not just talking to God, but we're listening as well. So when you pray, be watchful. Pray with your eyes open. Be thinking, be watching what God brings across your path. As you pray, meditate on the scriptures. Mull over the word of God in your head. Ask questions and then listen for answers. Be watchful as you go about your day. Always looking for opportunities to pray for people or pray for certain things. Talk to God always and with your eyes open. Then it says you should talk to God with thanksgiving. If you've been here long, you've heard me say that thankfulness and gratitude is really just remembering the good. And being ungrateful or not thankful is really just forgetting the good. And so when it talks about being thankful, we remember what God has done in our lives. We approach prayer with this idea that God loves me, he saved me, he's already won the victory, he's good, he has good things in store for me, good things planned for me. We start there with this attitude of thankfulness, thanksgiving. That's our foundation when we go to pray. You know, sometimes I feel like we go pray, we approach prayer, we approach God in prayer like he hasn't given us anything. Like, he's some hoarder of all we need. Like, he doesn't want to bless us. He's not generous. You know, sometimes I think we approach prayer like the cross never happened. Like God hasn't already given us everything we need, the Bible says, for life and godliness in the cross of Jesus Christ. We approach God like the cross never happened. We shouldn't do that. Even when we complain, even when we're being honest about you, you don't need to hold those things back because he already sees your heart, right? So even when you're complaining, you're like, God, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Even then, it's not divorced from thanksgiving. It's not divorced from the gospel in, in the cross. It's all in there. and We're thanking God as we struggle through things. Thankfulness. Look at verse 3. He's given us some direction about communicating with God. That's mini-sermon number 1 of 10. Now, I was kidding about that. Mini-sermon 1 of 2. Now we'll get uh, some communication about talking, or some direction about communicating with others. So specifically those who are outside the faith. Look at verse 3 in Colossians chapter 4. At the same time, pray also for us. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So the Apostle Paul goes, pray for me. Why? That God would open a door. So that God would open a door for me to declare the word, the mystery, the message of Jesus Christ. Even though Paul was already in prison for declaring the message and word and mystery of Jesus Christ. He goes, I don't care. I just want more opportunities to do this because this is bigger than me being in prison or being in a tragedy or or whatever else. And this is the money right here in, in verse 4. He, he wants them, the Apostle Paul wants them to, to pray for him. He, 
greatest missionary that ever lived, the Apostle Paul, writer of 75% of the New Testament, incredible communicator, at least or especially in written form. I mean, this guy is out of control, difficult, walked in the presence and miraculous power of the Holy Spirit at all times. This is this Apostle Paul is going, hey guys, would you pray for me that I would make the message and mystery of Christ what? Clear. Isn't that crazy? That the Apostle Paul is asking them to pray this thing. He's so passionate about the message being clear that he's asking for their prayer. And the next two verses here are not disconnected from these two we just read. It's, It's all a continuation. Basically, the Apostle Paul goes, pray for me that I'll make it clear. Pray for me that I'll talk like I ought to talk, he says, clearly. And then he goes, there's a turn. He goes, and you should do that too. You too, you should also do that. Verse 5, walk in wisdom with outsiders, making the best use of the time. Don't waste time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So he's talking about communicating with those who don't know Jesus. And he goes, pray for me that I'll be clear, that I'll make the message and mystery of God clear. That I wouldn't waste time. And, and you too, you should too, he says. Don't waste time. Use wisdom. Think about the way you talk. Make it gracious and seasoned with salt. So let's just chat about this for a second. Remember, we're talking about declaring the truth of God to those who don't yet know Jesus. So right off the bat, let me just say this. I've got to say this. We've got no hope of declaring the life-transforming truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ if we don't open our mouths. In other words, the assumption of this passage in Colossians 4 is that you're already trying to do this. That you already believe it enough to tell other people about it. He's talking about how to do it. He's not talking about the fact that you should do it. He's assuming that, that the, his readers are, are saved by the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, and now they're out telling other people about it. I mean, to, to Paul, he's like, why wouldn't they be, right? So the assumption here is that you're already doing this, that you're trying to spread the gospel and help people find Jesus. If you're not, then this is not about how you declare the gospel, but more about whether you believe it yourself or not. Because listen, beloved, it's really hard to believe the gospel and not try to share it with people who don't, with people who need to hear it. Let me say that again. It's really hard to believe the truth of the gospel and not try to share it with those who need to hear it. It it may be impossible I mean, maybe just a paradoxical, like, impossibility. You can't do it that way. I mean, that might sound harsh, but think about it. The gospel is about eternity. First, an eternity out away from God in, in torment, in hell, a just punishment for our sin against a holy God. But then it's about an eternity with Christ, how Christ took on himself our punishment and made a way for a different eternity, an eternity with him, an eternity in heaven. And this walk from there to here, this life from there to here is not easy. It's not all cotton candy and rainbows, right? I mean, it's difficult. 
It involves self-denial and, you know, just total reckless obedience to what God tells you to do. It requires a lot. It's not easy, but it's good. So good. In fact, it's the only good path. So how could you believe that and not tell others about it? I don't even know if it's possible. I don't even know if it's possible. So before you worry about the how of all this, ask yourself if you're even trying to do it, if you are looking for opportunities to share your faith, to introduce people to Jesus Christ like the Apostle Paul was, if you're trying, if you care enough to try, if you believe this yourself, that's the starting point here. If you get past that question with a, with a desire to declare the mystery and message of Jesus Christ to those who don't yet know him, then Colossians does give you some practical advice. Like here's some direction on how to do that. How to do that. And all of it is based on what he says in verse 5. Make best use, make the best use of your time. Don't waste time. He's saying there's so much at stake here. The Apostle Paul is going, this isn't a game. Eternity hangs in the balance. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. This is not a game. This isn't an exercise just to see if you can do it. This is not, this is huge. The stakes are huge, the Apostle Paul goes. He's going, you've got one conversation maybe, a few, you know, chances to impact this person for Christ that God is bringing across your path. But this is a huge thing. This is not a game. Don't waste your time. Make the best use of the time, he says. The time you've been given to share the gospel and help others find Jesus. It's finite. Make the best use of it. Don't waste time. And he's talking about being clear, and he says, don't waste time. Be wise. In other words, think it through. Before you go and share the gospel, the message of Jesus, try to introduce somebody to Jesus, think it through. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of a deal. Very practical here. And just like you communicate with different people at different times and different situations and different ways, so it is with sharing the gospel. Use wisdom. Think it through. Think, how will this person best receive the message of Jesus Christ? So you're going to talk to somebody differently, to people differently in different situations, right, with different backgrounds. In one situation, you may talk about creation and how, man, how could creation be so complex and so beautiful and so intricate and there not be a God behind it? Maybe that's how you talk to somebody, one person. But this person over here who's struggling in the midst of a trial in their lives, maybe they, you talk to them about a trial you've been through and how God got you through it and how God was with you in the midst of it and how God has a purpose for these kind of trials. You see what I'm saying? You talk to somebody different who grew up in church and left it later in life. Then you talk to somebody who's never set foot in a church. You talk to somebody different who you've known for 10 years than somebody who you're just now starting to get to know. Be wise. Think it through. And this isn't just about using the brain God has given you. I think that's a big part of this. But it started, all started with prayer. And so this is also about just asking God to supernaturally give you wisdom for the moment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. Specifically, it's about asking for what the Bible calls discernment. Discernment just means that the Holy Spirit tells you to go that way and not that way. That's discernment. 
Discernment is in the moment. Every decision, every path, every juncture, every, every word that, that, that you're saying, God, give me discernment, what to say, what not to say, what direction to go, what direction not to go. Discernment is the Holy Spirit saying, don't talk to them right now, but talk to them over there, or wait till tomorrow, or today's the day, go talk to them and invite them to coffee, or look, they, they're struggling, you need to go reach out to them. Be wise as you help people find Jesus. Think it through and ask God for discernment. Then Colossians says, don't waste time. Be gracious. Always be be gracious. Being gracious just means that you show grace, right, to unbelievers. And here's my question. How could you not, if if you're a believer in Jesus, how could you not show grace to people who don't yet know Jesus? I mean, how do you even not, how do you do that? I don't even understand that. How can we not be grace-filled with unbelievers? They, they don't have Jesus in their lives. If you didn't have Jesus in your life, if someone hadn't shared the gospel with you with grace and you accepted it and been changed by Jesus Christ, then you would be just as much of a mess as them or worse, right? That's the way it works. I always kind of chuckle when I hear Christians talking about non-Christians like they should know better. Like, can you believe he said that? Can you believe she did that? Can you believe that that happened? When we put these behavioral expectations on people who don't know Jesus. They can't change their behavior because you can't change your behavior without Jesus. Right? They don't know Jesus. We're shocked when voters or politicians don't go the way the Bible says. But they don't know Jesus. Why would that shock us? The only thing that separates you and me from the worst of the world is Jesus Christ, his saving power, his grace. That's it. Nothing I did, nothing I can do, nothing you did, nothing you can do. The only thing that makes us different is Jesus. So with that in mind, when we're given the opportunity to declare the mystery of Christ and the message of Jesus to somebody, we do it with grace. We don't expect them to understand right off the bat. We show them grace. We don't expect them. We didn't understand right off the bat, right? But we don't expect them to, to change their behavior and make it line up with the Bible because we didn't. Even if they don't show us grace, even if they reject, even if, if they're rude, if they're mean, we don't, we don't change. We still show grace because our hope and our cry, the cry of our heart is that this person would be transformed like we were transformed once from old to new, that they would become, in the, through the power of Jesus Christ, a totally different person. And so we show grace at all times to those who don't believe. Because they don't know Jesus. Does it make sense? All right, don't waste time. Don't waste the opportunity God gives you. And then don't waste time. Be salty. Just go be salty. Let me explain this a a little bit because some of you would love an excuse to be salty, right? Like, why are you so salty today? My pastor said I should just go, I should not waste time, just be salty. That's not really what I'm talking about. Um, 
But this is a phrase, this whole phrase in this passage, to let your speech be seasoned with salt. It's a phrase, an idiom from like 2,000 years ago in a different language and culture. So it, it takes some explaining before we can understand it. So like when we were China, in China as missionaries, uh, we ran into some situations where these phrases that we understood in English, in American English, these idioms, like we would say them in Chinese, and like people would not know what we were talking about at all. They wouldn't translate. Like, a, like I'm going to go cold turkey. Or what's the rule of thumb on that? Or I need to blow off some steam at the gym. Or you need to face the music. Or this isn't my first rodeo. Or you know what they say, you got to get back up on the horse. Or there's more than one way to skin a cat. What? <laughs> right? I mean, if you're, if you're not, if you don't understand, you're not from that culture, like, what are we talking about here? Like turkeys and steam and, and horses and rodeos and who is skinning cats? <laughs> right? And it's like, what is going on? Sometimes these kinds of sayings, idioms, they don't translate directly. They're hard to understand. So this Greek saying that your words should be seasoned with salt, it meant that your words were interesting. Think, think savory and good tasting. Not dull, not boring. So it doesn't mean that, that you're sassy or angry. When you look at your salt on the table when you're eating... Do you think, man, that salt is, just makes me angry. Yeah, that's a salty, this is so salty. It's just, ah, makes me angry. No, you reach for your salt, not because you want to be angry, but because you want to make your food taste better, right? When you add salt to your food, you're trying to add what to your food? Flavor, right? You're trying to add flavor. You're trying to make it taste better. That's what this is talking about. It meant savory and good tasting, so... Most often in this culture at this time, it meant witty, like funny. Some of you are in trouble with that. You're like, you, you lost me at witty, I'm out. He's saying, don't be boring. When you're trying to help people find Jesus, don't be boring. Don't, don't walk up and start kind of reading in some King James version of English. Don't try to re be religious or sanctimonious. Like, I'd like to speak to you today about propitiation sanctification and the consummation of all things for the glory of God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Do you have time for that? <laughs> no, I don't, right? I don't. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I don't have time for that. Or like, hello, non-Christian. Thank you for the opportunity to share my faith with you today. Let us open up to 1 Kings chapter 6 because we need to know, first thing, the dimensions of the temple that Solomon built 3,000 years ago. In the 480th year after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of some, no, don't. Don't do that. No, there's no reason to. Be, instead, be salty. Be interesting. Use your wit. Be relatable. You know, sometimes, this is probably going to be shocking to some of you, but sometimes I get in trouble for things I say in sermons. Shocking, right? <laughs> totally shocking. Um, I, I may at times, maybe, possibly, maybe at times, cross some lines when I'm making jokes um, from the stage or from the platform. But really, I'm just trying to be salty. I just want you to understand. I want to show you that the scriptures and the gospel message, that, that it's the most interesting, captivating, life-transforming, inspiring thing in all of creation. 
Plus, if you think what I said was bad, you should have heard what I thought. So just be happy that I didn't say that. No, I'm kidding, kind of, not really. But when we're trying to help other people find Jesus, when we're trying to communicate the message and mystery of the gospel to people who don't know Christ, we need to be salty. We need to be interesting, relatable, witty if possible, not boring, lofty, out of touch, but down to earth, genuine. If you really believe the message of the gospel, then you won't want to waste time. You won't want to waste any time in communicating it to people who don't know Jesus yet. So when you do that, be wise, be gracious, and by all means, be salty. Let me talk to you about one more piece of this before we wrap up. Listen, beloved, you can do this. Like, you can do this. God can use you to declare the message of Jesus to someone and they can, by the grace of God, give their life to Christ and be transformed. Families can be transformed. Listen, you can do this. God can use you to reach people for Jesus Christ. You go, I don't know all the theology. I'm not a theologian. I don't know all the words. I don't know all the seminary stuff. You don't need to know that. That stuff just gets in the way anyways. It'd be like me talking Mandarin to somebody who doesn't speak Mandarin. It doesn't make sense. You know, some, sometimes theologians, seminarians, pastors are the worst at leading people to Jesus because they get caught up in all these big words that just don't matter. The goal isn't to use big words. It's to use words that people understand. You go, I don't know where all the Bible verses are. You don't have to. You pray that God would give you wisdom and he'll show you what you need to say. He'll tell you what you need to say. You say, I don't know all the answers. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? That's okay. Just, just be salty. Be witty. Be funny. Be relatable. Be yourself. So when somebody asks you a question that you can't answer, go, you know what? I, that's a great question. I have no stinking idea what the answer is to that question. But maybe you invite them to church, or maybe you invite them to somebody who can begin to answer that question. Don't freak out about it. Just be, be salty. Tell your story. You know what? You're the only expert of your story, of what God has done in your life. There is not one question that anyone else can, can answer better than you about your story, about what God has done in your life. You know, that's a great question about sanctification and how it works with justification and glorification and salvation and the salvation, all that. That's a great question. You know what? That's a question for somebody else. Let me tell you what God did in my life. I don't got all that figured out, but here's what I do have figured out. God changed my life. He transformed my family. I was that, and now I'm this. And if you've known me for long, you know that that, was, that had to be God, Right? Ask me any question you want to ask me about that because that's what God, what God has done in my life. I'll answer any of it. Maybe you go, what if they reject me? What if, what, if, what if they reject me? Someone will reject you. If you're doing what you're supposed to, not wasting time and sharing the gospel with people, then you will absolutely be rejected at times. But you don't know the future. You don't know what other Christ follower is going to come along that person's path and build on the foundation that you started to build? Who's going to water the seed of the gospel that you planted that day? 
You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Plus, don't forget what Paul said at the beginning of this verse we, or this text we read today in, in chapter 4. He said, pray that I would be able to declare the mystery of the gospel. Everybody, everybody say declare. Declare. Not, not pray that I would be able to save some people. Not your job. Pray that I'd be able to answer every question they had. Not your job. Pray that I would make sure that, that they gave their lives to Jesus. Not your job. Not to save people. Not your job. Your job and my job is to declare in a clear way with wisdom, with grace, in a way that's as salty as you can get it to communicate the gospel to outsiders and unbelievers. That's it. That's it. Have you ever had this experience before? Where somebody is up talking to you and you have no idea what they're saying? Communication is hard. But you know what's impossible? A healthy relationship without it. A healthy relationship with God or with other people. You know what else is impossible without communication? The tiniest hope of impacting someone with the life-transforming truth of the gospel. So talk to God always with your eyes open and with thanksgiving. And talk to others about God. Don't waste your time. Be wise, gracious, and salty. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word that is so clear and so relevant to us right now in this moment. I pray as I always do, God, that whatever was of me today in the last few minutes would just fall to the wayside this week, but whatever is of you would be remembered, would haunt us this week, not easily be forgotten. I pray for those of us in this room who, if we're real honest, we look back and it's been a long time, maybe not ever, that we've talked to somebody about Jesus, tried to help someone find Jesus. And now the conviction is there and we're wondering, do I even believe this? Do I even believe this whole Jesus thing? Because it seems like if I did, I'd have been telling some people about it. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are in that situation. I pray, Jesus said, that you would speak clearly to their hearts and that they would not leave this place, this building, without making a decision for you, for themselves, what they believe, before they think about how they're going to communicate the gospel to others. Let them make that decision once and for all. And I pray that, the, that they would land on the side of giving their life over to you completely and totally in a way that, that would embolden them 
to share the gospel with other people. That they would look up and go, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Of course I'm going to share the gospel because I believe it, because it transformed my life. Because Jesus loves me so much and showed his love for me in the cross. I pray for hearts, many hearts in this room to turn towards you for real today. And for those of us in this room who would say, God, that that we follow you, that we believe in you, that we really believe in you, and that, you know, we're trying to share the gospel, but it's hard, it's difficult. There's rejection, and there's confusion, and we don't know how to answer all the questions, and there's fear, a lot of fear in stepping out and talking to our coworkers and our friends and those that we meet about you. For those in that situation, I pray, God, that their faith in you and their belief and the absolute truth of your gospel would outweigh by a long shot those doubts, fears, and insecurities. That they would step out in faith. And I pray that even today, even this week, that you would put people in their path to share your truth with. And that when they stepped out in faith, that people would respond and give their lives over to you and they would see fruit immediately. We give this all to you knowing that it's not our job to save anybody, but you did call us to declare the message. Let us be people who declare your message in wisdom and truth with grace. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? We've got prayer workers at the side that would love to pray with you during this song or afterward. Uh, But here's my prayer for you before you leave. May you talk to God constantly in every situation, arena, and venue. May you believe the gospel enough to share it with those who don't. And may you make the best use of your time, the time you've been given, because it is absolutely limited. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming today. Make sure you talk this over with the life group this week. If you're not in a life group, stop at Connection Central and get connected to one right now as soon as you can. And as always, my challenge to you is to not let this stop with you but to carry this truth that we've talked about today to other people. Just like you've been helped from Colossians 4 to take your next step towards God, so go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Be Jesus followers who make and disciple other Jesus followers. God bless you. We'll see you next week.